You're listening to WNYU 89.1 FM New York and online everywhere at WNYU.org. Today is Wednesday, September 23rd. I'm your host, Kate Hines. This is The Rundown. You're listening to 89.1 FM WNYU New York. Happy second day of fall, everyone. Tonight, Sarah Pat kicks things off. She gives us the scoop on what dining halls are going to look like this semester with new COVID restrictions. Next up, I took to the streets to ask New Yorkers, what is something you wish other people knew about you? Then, Kelly Drake brings us a brief update on the situation with Professor Lawrence Mead. Asia Beeson then walks us through her experience baking pumpkin bread to get into the fall spirit. Closing our show tonight is Harrison Choi explaining how to drive during a thunderstorm. Here's Sarah Pat. For the rundown on WNYU 89.1 FM, I'm Sarah Pat. This semester, in compliance with city guidelines, students are prohibited from eating inside dining halls. To ensure that students are able to pick up their food from the regular dining locations without creating a crowd, NYU Dining has partnered with Grubhub to allow students to pre-order their meals on their phones. If you're a student with a meal plan wondering what to do next, your first step is to download the Grubhub app. Open Settings and click on the tab that says Campus Dining. This should lead you to a page with a button that says Find Your Campus, where you will be able to add your school and graduation year. You will then be directed to add your campus card, which will allow you to pay for your meals with the click of a button. Now you're set to order. If you're still confused, NYU Dining has a video on their website that takes you through the process step by step. The dining halls are listed on the app under the NYU Campus tab at the top of the screen. When you order, make sure to click Meal Exchange Menu. This way, you will be able to pay with your meal plan or campus cash. Once you order, you'll be given a number and an estimated time when your order will be ready. For some options, you will be asked to click a button labeled Check In before you receive your food. Lipton and Downstein do not require you to order on Grubhub. Instead, the dining hall staff will hand you to-go containers with your meal. Palladium and Kimmel also have some options for which you do not need to order ahead. Palladium brunch is still happening, and students are not required to order on Grubhub ahead of time. However, I am sad to report that the chocolate fountain is no longer with us. For the rundown on WNYU 89.1 FM, I'm Sarah Pat. What's something that you wish more people knew about you? Oh, um, that's a good question. Let's see, despite my height deficiency, I carry myself around with the bravado of a six-foot guy. There we go. I think I wish more people knew about my struggles with my mental health. I think I'm really closed off about that. I wish more people knew that I was a very nice person and uh, very friendly. Well, since I moved to the city, not many people know that I'm a figure skater and I'm really passionate about that. I, it, it makes me happy when people like ask me about it and stuff like that, because I've been doing it my whole life. Well, I am approachable, and a lot of people think I'm not. You know, like a lot of people, I'm not going there that dude, you know, or I, don't, I have no idea why. I'm very, uh, my heart has always been in the right place. My mind, that's another story, but we won't go there. But my heart has always been in the right place. Um, I'm related to a famous serial killer. I think people always assume I'm straight, but I'm not. So I feel like that's something I wish people knew. 
I wish more people knew that I actually used to be really shy. So it's sometimes hard for me to like open up to people and trust people and make friends. That jazz isn't dead. That's what they wish they knew about me. <laughs> no, I'm pretty open. There's nothing I really hide from people. Like, I'm, I'm pretty... Except, you know, all my skeletons hanging in the closet. Besides that, though, that's pretty much it. <laughs> For the rundown on WNYU 89.1 FM, I'm Kelly Drake, following up on previous coverage regarding NYU professor Lawrence Mead's controversial article, Poverty and Culture. If you haven't heard about this yet, let me catch you up to speed. In his article published last month, Professor Mead argues that, quote, the seriously poor are mostly blacks and Hispanics. And he says that it is cultural differences, not racial discrimination, that are the cause of this today. In response to the article, a petition circulated around academic circles on Twitter calling Professor Mead's writing unscholarly and overtly racist. After the petition received signatures from over 1,000 academics from around the world, the journal that published the article ended up retracting it. In NYU's initial response, they defended Professor Mead's place at the university as a tenured faculty member. Spokesman John Beckman wrote in a statement that, quote, the role of the university is to be home to scholars with many points of view and to remain true to our bedrock principles, academic freedom and the free exchange of ideas, even when the views expressed are controversial or unpopular. Despite pushback from students and faculty members, the university seemed firmly planted in their support of academic freedom and keeping Professor Mead in the classroom. That all changed recently, though, when the decision was made to cancel one of Professor Mead's classes for this upcoming semester. It appeared as if, in the current environment, that the course would very likely be quite sensitive and lead to a lot of controversy. That is Professor Mead. It's the same course I've taught for years, but what's changed is the environment. So it didn't seem like a good idea to do that right now. I can only say that that's the chairman's decision. Neither the chair of the politics department nor any other university officials responded to requests for comment. We're left to wonder, how do the university's values trickle down from public statements the administration makes, eventually into classrooms and reaching students? Tiffany Rhodes, a junior in NYU's Department of Politics, believes that, as educational institutions, universities need to be able to adapt to changing social climates. As a university educating future generations of students, NYU has a responsibility to listen and hear to social movements. They also have a job to not let obvious violations to their values blow over. Despite the university's decision to cancel his class, Professor Mead's views have not changed. My role as a professor and a scholar is to tell the truth as I see it, and that's what I've done here. And I don't see any reason yet to question that. The course that was canceled dealt with public policy as it relates to poverty in the United States. As of now, Professor Mead will still be teaching one course in the Graduate Department of Politics at NYU this semester. Once again, this has been Kelly Drake for The Rundown. This is Asia Beeson for 89.1 FM, WNYU, The Rundown. It's that time of year again, the time when the leaves fall and change colors. 
a chill is felt through the air, and of course, when the human palate begins to crave all things and everything pumpkin. This is my first year away from home, and lately, I'll admit, the changing of the seasons has made me a bit homesick. Back home in Michigan, fall is a big deal. From cider breweries to pumpkin and apple pinking and the classic Friday night football games. It's been hard not to be able to have access to these kinds of things whenever I want. But if there's one fall tradition that I can bring with me to the big city, it's the making of pumpkin bread. I like to make pumpkin bread about this time every year. There's nothing that says home like the sweet smell of cinnamon and pumpkin spice and the warmth of a baking oven. If you've ever had any interest in wanting to make pumpkin bread, this is for you. To start things off, we head over to Westside Market to get some ingredients. So, we're here at Westside Market to get the ingredients for this lovely pumpkin bread we plan to make. Um, I'm with my friend, Azelle. and he's going to help me and we're going to make this together. So, have you ever made pumpkin bread before? I actually haven't had pumpkin bread. You know, I've never even eaten it before. Well, you know what? Today's your lucky day, because we together are going to make the best pumpkin bread you have ever eaten in your life. To make my world famous pumpkin bread, what you're going to need is one 15 ounce can of pumpkin puree, four eggs, one cup of vegetable oil, two thirds cup of milk, three cups of white sugar, three and a half cups all purpose flour, two teaspoons of baking powder, one and a half teaspoons of salt, and the most important part, the spices. You're gonna need one teaspoon of ground cinnamon, one teaspoon of ground nutmeg, a half teaspoon ground cloves, and a 14 teaspoon ground ginger. Basically what we need is we're gonna go with cinnamon, we're gonna have nutmeg, we're gonna have cloves, and then we're gonna have ginger. And so there's some people, there's like everybody does their recipe very, very differently. Some people, they just get the pumpkin spice all rolled into one, but me, like us true pumpkin bread connoisseurs, usually like to actually get, you know, each individual spice so they can each shine in their own way. So, that's what we're going to do. After successfully obtaining the ingredients needed for the pumpkin bread, we head on over to Lipton Hall to start making it. We might need to melt a bit, but we can always just put it in the microwave and hit it. And then we're going to flour the pan, so then that way, the bread's not going to stick to everything. And we have two separate bowls. After finally making it to the kitchen, the fun can begin. And I'm going to make this one our liquid bowl. So let me just rinse these out real quick. I don't think they need to be straight washed, but they definitely need to be rinsed. Thick. Also, it's a very Michigan thing to do, in case you didn't know. I'm going to add it just for 30 seconds to like get it a little bit, um, just to get it a little bit looser. So the recipe in itself is pretty simple. A lot like Michigan, I guess, in that way. You only have to do two separate bowls, put the dry ingredients in one, the liquids in the other put them together, and then ultimately put it in the pan and plop it in the oven. I guess that's why I like the recipe so much. It's like Michigan in a pan. Simple, clean, not much to it. And it just reminds me of home. Oh, and did I mention that it was delicious? <laughs> Can't forget that. Once you put all the ingredients together, 
Make sure that your pan is lightly floured and greased, so kind of put a small layer of butter and then lightly flour it to make sure that the bread won't stick to it. And then you're gonna plop it in the oven for about 40, I'd say to 60 minutes. I like mine to have a nice kind of crunchy outside, so I'd recommend the latter. With the kitchen filled with the scents of cloves, cinnamon, and all kinds of fall goodness, an hour later, the moment we've all been waiting for has finally arrived. As you can see, it is finally done after hours of labor. Here you go. All right. Here you go. Bon appetit. Tell me what you think. What are you feeling? I, I love that I don't taste too much pumpkin. It's, it's just the right amount where I'm just... Exactly. It's not overpowering. It's just slightly there. And it's fluffy too. Right, I'm glad you liked it. Does it not remind you of See, fall? The good thing about making pumpkin bread is that you can make it anywhere. And in doing so, it's like bringing a little piece of home with me everywhere. That being said, I encourage you to find a little bit of home that you can take everywhere with you. This has been Asia Beeson from WNYU 89.1 FM. See you next time. So after we all got kicked out of New York, I decided to go back to my hometown of Cranberry, New Jersey, population less than 4,000. Now, unlike the city, Cranberry is pretty sparse. There's cornfields, a lake, and downtown is pretty much two stoplights and a pizza shop. And I think the most notable thing that's happened in the town was all the way back in 1778, when George Washington allegedly slept in a cranberry barn. Once again, let me say allegedly. Like, they don't even know if it really happened. Everyone just kind of goes with it. But that's a whole different story. If you couldn't guess, to get remotely anywhere in Cranberry, you have to drive. And man, if you're someone like me who learned how to drive really late in high school and then escaped the fear of driving by going to college in a city with plenty of public transportation, one of the most dreaded things when coming back home is driving. And what's worse than being a metrosexual who hates driving? having to drive during a thunderstorm. But fear not my matcha drinking, subway swiping, tote loving New Yorkers, I've devised a six-step foolproof plan to drive in a thunderstorm. Step one, acknowledge the situation. Okay, so maybe you didn't check the weather before you went out. Maybe you didn't hear your parents saying, Harrison, I think it's gonna rain, just be careful. Maybe you just said, I'll be fine, I'm young, I'm 20. I wear Doc Martens. I can handle things. Yeah, maybe you should have listened, but that's what acknowledgement is for. And nothing says acknowledgement more than texting a last minute will to your best homie, Jake. Something like, hey Jake, I'm trying to drive home in a thunderstorm. In case I die, I'm sorry that I forgot to pay you back that one time we went to Wendy's the other day. I hope you find it in your heart to forgive me. To which he'll respond with, dude, what are you talking about? Do you need me to pick you up? To which you'll reply with, no. Don't worry, man, I've got a plan. Step two, plan. In order to make this ride as smooth as possible, you'll need to plan out how the heck you're gonna get home. Questions like, am I gonna pass any bodies of water that can start spilling onto the road? Are there any cutoff highways due to fallen trees? Is there a gas station nearby that I can use if I have to use the bathroom? These should be the questions you're asking. Once you've figured out those important logistics, you need to get relaxed and comfortable. 
Step three, alleviating the wet noodle. Wet noodle? No, this isn't some weird pervy joke. Just trust me on this one. Chances are you're ill-prepared to go out during a thunderstorm. And now when you finally found your car after walking around without an umbrella, you're definitely feeling like a wet noodle. Your hat is drenched, your socks feel like a swimming pool, and you've gained 12 pounds from your whole outfit being soaked. And everybody knows that when you're 12 pounds heavier in clothing weight, you're actually 12 times as likely to get into a car accident. So to alleviate the wet noodle feeling, you've got to strip down. Imagine you're like a moth shedding off a cocoon made of clothes. Ring out your shirt, be prepared to drive in your undies, and turn on the AC. The cool air on your skin will help you stay awake and focused on the road. Plus, if you get stopped by the cops for speeding, you can always use the excuse of, Oh, sorry, I was in a rush. My clothes are all wet and I feel like a wet noodle, so I need to go home ASAP. This is a valid excuse and they'll definitely understand. Step four, don't panic. Okay, so now since you've started driving, it's important not to panic. I try to be rational in these situations and sometimes I think it helps if you assign a reason for being in such a bad situation. For example, Maybe you've just gotten dumped, and this is the universe's weird way of saying that if you survive this, you could survive any heartbreak. Maybe you just brutally dumped somebody, and this is the universe's way of telling you that you shouldn't have been that tough. And maybe your choice of doing it over text instead of person was really freaking weak. And like you should have realized what a jerk move that was, and you should really apologize. I mean, who the frick dumps somebody over text and doesn't even say sorry? And like, I know you're going through some stuff at the moment, but do you not realize I have feelings too? And that I really liked you? And that, <laughs> frick, I even really liked your mom. I mean, maybe she didn't get down with the whole like, I don't have a job and I don't wear deodorant thing or whatever, but she really liked my paintings and I appreciated that. At least someone appreciates me, jerk. Step five, Mr. Blue Sky Denial. Don't get me wrong, you should probably be focusing on the road, but nothing, I mean nothing slaps better in a thunderstorm than some classic electric light orchestra. Mr. Blue Sky is the perfect soundtrack because it'll trick your mind into thinking that the weather will get better. Like really, when Jeff Lynne wrote this song, it was about that happy feeling when bad weather passes over. But it's important to get your Mr. Blue Sky to thunderstorm ratio on point. Like for every one thunder you hear, you need to crank the volume up one level. For every lightning you see, you've got to crank it up two levels. This will really help you believe that everything is okay. So hopefully while you're driving, you won't be able to hear the actual storm. Step six, gratitude. At this point, you're turning into your parents' driveway and you're feeling really thankful. You pull in, open the garage door, and feel blessed that the whole experience is over. Your wet clothes can now be thrown into the laundry, and best of all, you'll probably know all the Mr. Blue Sky lyrics by heart now. But all jokes aside, just plan ahead and don't end up getting caught in a thunderstorm. Stupid. For WNYU 89.1 FM, this has been Harrison VJ Choi. That's all for tonight. You can find more on campus news at nyulocal.com. Next up are WNYU podcasts. Thank you for tuning in to The Rundown on WNYU 89.1 FM. I'm your host, Kate Hines.
You're listening to 89.1 FM WNYU, New York.